Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin.
Amen. Thank you, Miss Ginger. It is indeed our fathers. Amen. A beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, before we uh, have our sermon, I'd like to read a, a poem. This morning we tacked uh, shoeboxes, and uh, the Samaritan's Purse put out a poem that was written by a shoebox packer named Alan Hinda. And so I'd like to, to read this, this poem and hope that I can get through it. I packed a Christmas shoebox gift. I do it every year. These gifts are sent around the world to bring a child some cheer. I focused on my shoebox and what I put inside. When God told me to look beyond and see the other side, I looked beyond my shoebox and there I saw a friend who helped to get my shoebox from here to journey's end. In truth, there were so many who worked all along the way. They took these gifts around the world. They labored night and day. Some checked and taped and cartonized and moved my box with care while some raised hands of blessing and filled my box with prayer. I looked beyond my shoebox, and there I saw a child who received this gift of love while sitting meek and mild. She heard the gospel message. He listened quietly. While many prayed Jesus to save their souls eternally, then it was time to open from me their gifts of joy such noise I can't imagine, to see each treat and toy. I looked beyond my shoebox, and there I saw the Lord. He smiled and said, Well done, my child. Come, see now your reward. As I turned, I saw a line, as far as the eye could see, of children coming to say thanks for boxes sent by me. Thank you for your gift of love, and for the gospel too. Because you filled the shoebox, I'm now in heaven with you. It's, a quite, it's quite a wonderful privilege to partner together with Christians from all across America and around the world to touch lives around the world with the simple gifts that are found in those shoeboxes, but the most important and life-changing gift of God's love. And so we thank you for giving, making it possible to give. Amen. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Genesis and chapter 18. chapter 18, we're going to look at Abraham, the intercessor. Abraham, the friend of God, and one who is willing to pray on behalf of others. Now, is that clock correct? Is that the correct time? 
Oh, but we've got a long time to pray. <laughs> Amen. So beginning at verse 1, we're going to look all the way through this entire chapter. Chapter 18 in the book of Genesis, and beginning at verse 1. Then the Lord appeared to him, that is to Abraham, by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, and bowed himself to the ground, and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please, let a wa little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread, that you may refresh your hearts. After that you may pass by, inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, Do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah, and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk, and the calf which he had prepared, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, Here, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. Then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing, since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation? And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it, that has come to me, and if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were fifty righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, 
I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than the fifty righteous. Would you destroy all of the city for lack of five? He said, If I find there forty-five, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, Suppose there should be forty found there. So he said, I will not do it for the sake of forty. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Indeed, now I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of twenty. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once more. Suppose ten should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham. And Abraham returned to his place. Let's pray, please. Our Father in God, we thank you for your holy word. We thank you, Lord, for the various events that are described. And we thank you for the life of Father Abraham. We thank you for his faithfulness. We thank you for his heart. We thank you, O oh Lord, that you so blessed him and used him to bless nations around the world and to teach us the kind of people that we ought to be. So as we study your word today, we pray, Father, that you be our teacher through God the Holy Spirit, to the honor and to the glory of the Lord Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen. So the Lord appears to Abraham. And as we, as we read here, he appeared to him in bodily form. And so we refer to this as a theophany, and on Sunday nights over at Vista Park, we've been uh, studying various uh, theological concepts, and one of those is a theophany, or the, the actual appearance of God. And here he appears in bodily form. Now notice that Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, so, so he was observing. And the lesson for us is that we ought to be observant. We ought to know the time in which we live. And when we see things happening around the world, and especially in the land of Israel, we should be aware of the time in which we live. Because remember that in the scripture, Israel is symbolized through a fig tree. And Jesus said, when you, when you see the these things happening, just like when you see the fig tree budding, know that the time is near, even at the door. So we see what is happening in Israel. And it shouldn't surprise us as Christians. It shouldn't surprise us that God is fulfilling his word, because God fulfills his word. But Abraham was very observant, and he, he looked up and he saw these three visitors, and he recognized that one of them was the Lord. He ran to meet them. Now notice, now, Abraham, at this point, is 99 years old. 
All right, let that sink in. <laughs> Do we have anyone 99 here? All right. We have some in the 90s over at Vista Park. But I don't think we have anyone 99 here today. But Abraham was 99 years old. And notice, he, he runs. He runs to meet them. And then he bows down himself to the ground. Some of you would say, I wouldn't be able to get up. <laughs> Let alone bow down, I wouldn't be able to get back up. <laughs> but he runs to meet them. He bows himself to the ground, demonstrating his humility. Humility. And he says, my Lord, my Lord. And he uses the term, in Hebrew it is Adonai. And that term is used exclusively throughout the Old Testament for God. Very important because there are uh, those who say, well, uh, that really wasn't the Lord. See, they, they want to deny it. The idea that God would come down in the form of a man. Well, we know that God can do that because God can do anything. And Abraham knew him because God had appeared to him several times earlier. So when he saw him, he bowed down and he recognized him, calling him Adonai and my Lord. Now, he says, let me, let me get some water to wash your feet. And he wants to feed them. He wants to serve the Lord. And we are to follow Abraham's example and be willing to serve as servants to the Lord, to the Lord's people, and even to the lost. We are called to be servants. Abraham exemplifies that. And notice what the Lord says. He says, do what you have said. Giving approval. Approval to Abraham's desire. Because God knew Abraham's heart. So Abraham demonstrated a servant's heart. So he runs into the tent and he tells Sarah to begin basically cooking and baking. All right? All right, somebody's got some Christmas music going off there. <laughs> right. um, now, if uh, some of these people in the woke crowd, they would read this, well, they would object. Why couldn't have Abraham cooked or baked? You know, these, these cakes. Basically, it was bread. A type of bread. You see, the woke crowd would have said, well, that's, a, what is that, the misogynistic, just expecting that, that she should do it? Isn't that right? Is that what they say these days? Foolishness. Arrogance. And that attitude, that attitude is the attitude of Satan. Make no mistake about it. Don't be a part of that. Don't be a part of the group that, that perpetuates that and, and supports that. 
God has created us and he's given us roles. That's not to say that, uh, that men can't cook. They can cook, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they can cook well. Right? <laughs> some do it, and some of us don't. You know, when the kids were young, and Cheryl was a librarian, and every now and then I would cook, and we would sit down to eat, the kids would say, who cooked? <laughs> I'd say, never mind, eat it, and be grateful that you have something to eat. <laughs> but Sarah got busy. And then notice, he, he goes and he chooses this choice cap. A choice cap. A tender one. A tender cap. A fatted cap, if you will. And one of his, his young men prepares the cap. So it, it, it takes a team. And when we serve in the church, it requires a team. A team to serve effectively. They, no one can do it alone. We serve as a team. And so we have the various ministries within the church. And we need people who are willing to serve. And then again, Abraham remains in the presence of the Lord. Once everything is prepared, they, they bring the, the food and they present it. And isn't it interesting? They sit there under a tree and Abraham stands there as they eat. It's an unprecedented event. Picture it. God eating the food offered by Abraham. God, the creator of the entire universe. Stop and consider that. The God of the, of the entire universe, he comes and he sits and he eats there at the tent of Abraham. I tell you, Abraham was some fantastic individual that the God of all creation called him his friend and came and ate there at his temple. Jesus, over in the book of Revelation, says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and will sup or eat with him and he with me. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Now notice the question that's asked. So there they're eating and very specifically ask Abraham, where is Sarah, your wife? We studied just a couple of weeks ago that when they went down to Egypt, what did he tell Sarah to do? Say you are my sister. You notice? He says, where is Sarah, your wife? Very specifically. <laughs> and at least twice in this passage. And then he goes on and he says, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. That was the promise. God made a promise to Abraham that he would have a son. And he says, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now, get the picture. Sarah is in the tent. So she's not out present with them. She's in the tent. And she's, she's right at the tent door. 
like this. Maybe she was like this, I don't know. But she was listening at the tent door. And all of a sudden, she hears that she's going to have a son. Well, she was pretty old herself. About 89, I believe. Stop for a moment and think about that. Here, Abraham's 99 and she's 89 because right, Isaac is born when he's 100 and she's 90. So this is, this is about a year before. So she's 89 and she's hearing this and she's thinking, I'm going to have a son. And she, the Bible says she, she laughed within herself. In other words, she didn't laugh out loud, but in her heart, she found it more than humorous or laughable. And isn't that something? She was actually displaying unbelief. She said, now that I'm old and, you know, beyond all of that, and I'm going to have pleasure, I'm going to have a job. <laughs> ah, but the Lord knows our hearts, and he knows everything about our lives. And he says, why did Sarah laugh? And she denies it. She denies it, and she was scared. She was afraid. How does he know that I was laughing on the inside or found it humorous when I'm not in their presence and laughing out loud? Because God knows everything. You cannot hide anything from God. Nothing can be hidden from him. And so she was afraid. And then he says, is anything too hard for the Lord? He's talking about his omnipotence. He can do anything because he is God. Anything that is consistent with his will. Now notice, in the Hebrew it actually states, and they should have put it this way in English, is it too miraculous for the Lord? The word that's used for hard is actually the word that is used for miraculous or a miracle. Is anything too miraculous or too good for the Lord to do? And you see, Christians need to wake up because God is able to do the impossible. God is able to do things far beyond our ability to even think. The scripture says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or even think, to him be glory. Amen. Both now and forever. Amen. Christians oftentimes have too small a God. Too small. They worry about too many things that God is able to take care of. Jesus said, why are you filled with anxiety? Your Father, your Heavenly Father, not one bird falls from the sky, but that He knows about it. Not one hair falls from your head. Now, I've been losing a few more these, these past days. <laughs> I was looking at my hair this morning. Man, that's getting thin back there. <laughs> yeah. 
But God knows everything about us. And are we of not so much more value than a sparrow? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, you know what's really interesting? Is when Abraham and Sarah had their, their, their child, Isaac. But what does Isaac's name mean? Laughter. That's right. Laughter. Laughter. Isn't that something? <laughs> but moving on. And the Lord said. And the Lord said. As they finished eating and they got up and they made their way to Sodom. The angels who were accompanying the Lord move on to Sodom and the Lord remains with Abraham. Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? God's will. God thinking aloud one writer has said, God thinking aloud and permitting us to hear. Isn't that something? Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? And then he goes on and he says, since Abraham shall surely become. Notice, God said that it would be and it is going to be. When God speaks, even though what he's talking about may be a thousand years down the road, when he speaks that something is going to happen, it's as though it has already happened. Since Abraham shall surely become a great nation, a great people, the father of many nations, and that all the world will be blessed because of him. He's a blessing. And he goes on and he says that Abraham was to teach his children, to teach his children righteousness, or to teach righteousness to his offspring so that they might also be blessed and a blessing to other nations. Every nation in the world has been blessed through the life of Abraham and through the nation of Israel. And all that nonsense that you hear in the news and across these college campuses, demonic and wicked. Demonic and wicked. Make no mistake about it. It is demonic and wicked. Those who bless Abraham, those who bless Israel will be blessed. Those who curse Abraham, who curse Israel will be cursed. Don't be in the latter group. The Lord reveals his mission to Abraham because of this special relationship that he has with him. This personal relationship with Abraham. And God reveals this to Abraham so that Abraham knows that what takes place down in Sodom and Gomorrah is not an accident. It's not a natural event. Some catastrophe that just happened naturally. No. He is to know that it is God's judgment against sin. Make no mistake about it. It is God's judgment against sin. The world doesn't want to hear that. People don't want to hear that. Oh, they like to hear that God loves them, and of course he does. But in that love is also accountability. 
freedom and responsibility, accountability. We are accountable. Accountable to God. And so Abraham intercedes for Lot and his family. You remember that Lot went down to Sodom because it was rich, verdant, green. He said, oh man, that's the place to be. That's the place to be. That's, you know, they, they advertise Las Vegas, right? Where dreams come true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For one out of maybe a million. As we tell people, they don't keep building, you know, and building on and building on because they're losing. All right? They, they don't keep expanding because they're losing. Abraham intercedes for Lot. Now notice how he, he, he speaks to the Lord. He's, he's talking to God. And there are, those who, there are those who say, well, he was being disrespectful. No. Because God knew his heart. And, and Abraham was displaying a heart of compassion, and he was crying out to God for justice. He was saying, there are some good people down there, like Lot and his family, and perhaps some of the other people there, maybe those who were working for Lot. You'll recall their herdsmen, they had their, their, their herds had grown, they had herdsmen and they were fussing, and that's the reason that they separated company. So Abraham starts off at 50. But notice how he, he whittles it down. Huh? It's a great lesson because he, he's negotiating with the Lord. And he's negotiating out of a heart of compassion and love and concern for Lot and his family and for these other people. And notice the patience of God. The patience of God. And notice something else about the Lord. He was more willing to forgive than to destroy. God was more willing to forgive than to destroy. He allowed Abraham to whittle it all the way down to ten. And some have said, well, why did he stop at ten? He could have gone down to five, you know. Because all we know is that Lot had maybe eight people in his, in his family. Because he had two married daughters and then two single daughters. So he had the two daughters and their husbands. And then his wife and himself, that makes eight. But he was probably thinking, well, they had the, the workers, you know, herdsmen and such. But our God is a God of love. And a God of compassion, a God of mercy, a God of forgiveness. And we need to share that message with lost people. Abraham, Abraham prayed. He interceded. Now the tragic reality, as in as is listed in the in the nineteenth chapter, is that they didn't find ten. 
they didn't even find five. And sadly, four left, but only three made it. Because Lot's wife lusted after the city. She turned and she lusted after the city and was destroyed. So what do we learn from these passages? God desires a personal relationship with people. He desires a personal relationship with every human being. God desires a personal relationship. Do you have a personal relationship with him? No one else can answer that question for you. Do you have a personal relationship with him? Do you remember a time, do you know there was a time in your life when you asked the Lord to come into your life to save you, to be your Savior, to be your Lord, to forgive you of your sin, and to give you eternal life? A personal relationship. And then, since that time, if you've accepted Him as your Lord, have you cultivated that relationship? Have you, have you worked on that relationship? Has it, has it grown? Have you matured in your relationship with him? Have you come to know him? And have you grown in your understanding of him and of his, his will, which is found in his word? God reveals his will to humanity. All the time you hear people talking about, well, what is God's will? What is God's will? Open the Bible and you'll discover God's will. God's will is for us to love Him. God's will is for us to, to worship Him. God's will is for us to, to serve Him and to serve one another. God's will is to share His love with other people. God's will is for us to share the message of forgiveness and compassion and hope. That's God's will. God's will is for us to, to pray. We're to pray. You know, we're not just to pray for the people who are in our own political party. And if you have a problem with that, then you've got a problem. And you need to take that problem to the Lord. Because guess what? Jesus died on that cross for every human being. And as Christians, we are to pray with the intent that every human being come to know Him as Lord and Savior. Amen. And if you have a problem with that, guess what? You have a spiritual problem. God has and will fulfill His promises because God is faithful. God is faithful. Abraham and Sarah had a boy. His name was Isaac. And Isaac and his wife had two boys, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And Jacob had 12 sons called the 12 tribes of Israel. So Israel was a name given to Jacob and then eventually given to the land of Canaan. And we've mentioned this many times. Canaan, the son of Ham, the son of Noah. And that land was given to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Make no mistake about it. 
God has and will fulfill his promises because God is faithful and he expects his children to be faithful as well. And then last, the church is to follow the example of Abraham and intercede for the saved and the lost. It's a tremendous privilege and responsibility that we have. Consider, Jesus called 12 disciples, 12 apostles, and yet one of them was led of the devil, referred to as the son of perdition, who was who was lost, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. Well, we're here today studying the life, or one event in the life of, of Abraham. And what do we learn from the life of Abraham? God seeks a personal relationship with us. Do you know him as your Lord? Abraham called him Adonai, my Lord. Do you know him as your Lord? If you don't, you can ask him to come into your life today. And he will come in. God will reveal his will to you through his word. Now, the unbeliever says, you, you Christians, you born-again Christians, you guys are crazy. There is something, there is something not right with you. Oh my goodness. How wrong they are. Tragically. God will fulfill his promise in your life. God says he will transform your life by the power of the power of God the Holy Spirit who will come to live in your life when you accept Jesus as Savior. And then we have the awesome responsibility to pray for one another. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. And the hymn is God's invitation to you to come to him, to enter into a personal relationship with him, or to follow him through in, in believers' baptism, or, or to become a member of this church. Let's pray, please. And maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus as Savior. But you want to receive Him. Then in your heart, pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that you died upon the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. I confess that I am a sinner and I ask you to forgive me, to come into my heart, into my life, to be my Savior and my Lord. I accept you as Lord of my life and I ask that you help me, strengthen me and enable me to live my life in such a way that is pleasing to you and honoring to God the Father. Thank you for loving me and for saving me and for giving me eternal life. 
ready to stand to our feet. And if you've prayed that prayer and if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we ask you to step out and to walk forward and to make that known publicly. Everyone that the Lord Jesus called, he called publicly. Maybe you're here and you have prayed about following the Lord in believers' baptism and come forward and make that public. Or joining the church as we sing, Jesus is tenderly called. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.